The Right Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Kinetic Skate Shop. Get 9.1% off your first order with the promo code Dave Silver, all one word. And Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours with the free Ricky upgrade at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. Then send us your pictures of your process pup and his or her new bed to writestrickysanchez at gmail.com. On the show today, it is the draft night show uh, being recorded at 12.06 a.m. Eastern Time, always one of my grumpier shows of the year <laughs> as the podcast wears on. We will discuss the trades and the picks and the more trades and the non-picks and the more picks. And also we'll have our very own Andrew Unterberger on who was at the draft to uh, describe the scene. Uh, one more thing to get to before we start the podcast. There is a new shirt available. It is uh, maybe even harder to explain than the last shirt. It is a take off the Cobra Kai Karate Kid logo, but it has Adam Silver's face on it, and it just says Dave Silver on it instead of Cobra Kai. You can get that t-shirt for the next 11 days at rightstreakysanchez.com. Without any further ado... Here is Run the Jewels. We are the murderers there. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have power to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Step into the spotlight. Welcome to the Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is, while doing this podcast, consuming all sorts of content from all different places. That is Mike Levin. Hey, Mike. Oh, man. Wow. I feel good. Draft night. It really is the best day and night of the year. Uh, is, it, is it your favorite of all, all of them? Um, first day of summer league is always fun. Yeah. Just get a lot of 10 hours of basketball. No, I like, uh, I really like the draft. And I think even though the, the, the day leading up to it today didn't, didn't super feel that exciting as much as it usually is. There's like usually a ton of rumors and trade rumors. It didn't seem like there was any trade rumors revolving actual players. Did you feel that? Right, yeah, it was it was a quiet it was quiet on the it was definitely quiet on the rumor front today. Yeah. And I I think what happens is so I I noticed this with um with WIP with the football draft. And you know, the NFL draft is always very very big for us. But I think what ended up happening is since since there's so much interest in the NBA draft uh, now, as as with the NFL, you start talking about it further out, mm-hmm. and by the time the day actually comes, like, you've sort of gone through all of the different rumors and takes, and um, like I, I think I think everybody just got through all of them by today. So today was more waiting around than final huge rumors, right? Yeah, um, so. Yeah, well, I feel you know just first first thoughts. I feel great. I feel really good about the about the haul they came in with. Uh, I was worried that they'd trade a couple of those picks away 
for cash or for you know stash guys that they don't really care about because the the international hall really wasn't great this year especially in the second round but they came away with three guys all in the guard wing mode that uh can help and project to be to have a decent amount of upside in the future also um and they got that 20 21 first round pick which is going to be huge brett said it in the press conference but it's going to be huge attract to try to package something together to get a big star if if we don't get anything free agency wise which it sort of sounds like they've resigned themselves to maybe not getting either LeBron or Kawhi. So they, if they feel or LeBron or Paul George, so if they feel like they have to make a move for Kawhi, or uh, you know McCollum or Clay or Brad Beal or whatever, uh, then this 2021 pick is is going to be huge for it. And uh, we can talk about that more specifically. But I just I feel good. I feel I was the only thing I was worried about. I, I was worried about two things. One, trading faults to move up uh that would have really pissed me off um because it's selling super low on faults and two would have been taking michael porter jr who i think is bad and not only bad has career threatening injuries um but they didn't do that they took a couple guys that i really like one guy that i uh, i'm trying to like and uh yeah i feel good gonna be a fun summer league yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously, I don't know anything about anybody. I, well, I know, I would say, as much as the the regular person does about the top guys. The back guys, you'll have to fill us in on. Uh, I'm meaning the second-round guys and the end of the first-round guy and all that stuff. But um, I think on its face, uh, your, your point—well, f- first of all, just— to, to start with your last point, I don't think there was ever a real chance of them trading up meaningfully in the in the first in the first round. Um, it just didn't seem to me like, and that that's what I think made the 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 Bridges trade so interesting. It didn't seem they don't seem to me like an organization right now that is like we're going to leverage with what's coming up this summer. We're going to leverage more assets to go get a guy who's young. And might not make us better next year. Um, so it it seems strange to me. The, the Doncic trading up for Doncic never seemed real to me. And even taking Michael Porter Jr. Um, just didn't seem didn't seem real to me. Seemed too risky to me, given the the history, like what's happened the last five right. years. I think, and it, it felt very much it. felt very much like an agent leaking something. Yeah, yeah, and and that's honestly. All of this stuff is, I, I tweeted earlier, this is one of my favorite times of the year because it's the time when reporters are the most complicit in putting things out there that, yeah. that are probably definitely not true. Yeah, so I, I asked I asked Gans this on the, on the last podcast, which I'm sure we'll talk about since you weren't there for it. Right, uh, right, right. But because uh, he's been, you know, he'd done more of the like straight up like reporting about the drafts. And I just wondered how much he thought about you know, is this bullshit? Am I being played? Are you just lying to me to leak it? Do I still leak it? Whatever it is. So it's all, it's all very interesting. And I, being on the outside of it, just being on the sort of uh, public end of it for the most part is, I just don't know why everyone kind of plays along. I think it just feeds the machine. I think really at the end of the day, people love engaging in it. I just, I, I think I will, 
I just have to take a step back because I don't even know how to talk to people about it anymore. Like people get mad. They're like, I can't believe we're going to trade up to the top five to get Michael Porter Jr. And I'm like, we're not. I, I, don't, I don't even know how to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. There's no way, just no way on God's green earth that they are trading like Markel Fultz the 10 and Robert Covington to get in the top five to take a guy who has like serious back problems and and, like there's just there's no chance so I I didn't even know how to talk to people about it I'll say this about what happened tonight they they wound up with that 2021 pick and a guy that it seems like they had um, graded uh, equally not in terms of how they can help right now, but equally in general or close to equally with the guy that they had picked. And right. that 2021 pick is a, a great pick for a, for a franchise that, to be honest, in, in as far as future assets that they can trade, they've been drained a little bit. And, yeah. um, and they need it. That, like Whether they use that pick in 2021 or they use it in a trade, which is more likely, they need more things like that. Because the the teams that they are bidding against, namely Boston or uh, LA's got more players than they have picks, but uh, they have things like that, and you need things like that. So it was a a smart trade, even though I think I am a little bummed that we're not going to get to watch Bridges this year because I think he would have been good and a nice fit. Yeah. And uh, I think you'll you'll tell me and you'll agree that Zaire Smith just. He's not as as ready. He's not. He's three years younger, two years younger. He's not as ready. Uh, he can't shoot yet, so he he won't fit and won't help right away as much. And there's a little bit of, you know, that's a bummer. I understand. Yeah, I, it's a bummer I, I, for me. I think it's a bummer for everybody. Yeah, I would say probably. And we'll talk about the the uh, situation of trading Mikael Bridges uh, when we bring Unterberger on because he was at the draft. And he will uh, let us know how. The, I mean, it's a tough situation for sure because his mom works for the team. Bridges, not Unterberger. Um, but <laughs> right, right. but uh, it it might be the thing. Look, I mean, I had Mikael Bridges very high. I had him fourth on my board. I really, really liked him a lot. I think there's upside to untap there. Obviously, he's older, and it's unlikely that there's a lot there. But I just I I watched how much better he got year to year, and I feel like. The shot has improved at such a ridiculous rate that I, I just sort of felt that there was a dribble drive game there also that could have unlocked a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. And I think he goes to a great situation in Phoenix. Obviously, Phoenix isn't a great situation, but they're building a really good situation there. I mean, I thought they had a great draft getting uh, a Kobo and and Bridges and Aiton and, that, and adding to the Booker, Jackson, Warren core. Um, but as much as I thought that Bridges did have some upside, the... The upside with Zaire is, is ridiculous. He's the most athletic player in the draft. Uh, he plays off the ball really well. He's going to defend. He's a fierce defender. He's quicker than Bridges is. Uh, he's stronger than Bridges is, and he's a lot younger. So, I mean, the Zaire Smith that we saw this year, who was, he was not a top 100 recruit coming out of high school. He just really, they just didn't, they just sort of fell through the cracks. Um, but he's crazy athletic, and he earned playing time at Texas Tech on like a veteran Texas Tech team uh, that sort of didn't trust him at first, but he just kept earning it. And for a guy to be that athletic, to have the ridiculous hops that he does and the ridiculous first step that he does, to be able to play at a high level, like think the game and make the simple play and 
not be a negative on the court as they're like working through their mistakes. Like you look at a guy, it's a totally different situation, but you look at a guy like Hamadou Diallo, who is a wing on Kentucky who just jumped through the roof um, and was much more heavily touted coming into college. He he barely could play. He was borderline unplayable because of how dumb he was on the court. He just didn't. It was a poor situation, like there wasn't any spacing, but also he just made mistakes and, and wasn't where he was supposed to be and all that. Zaire earned his spot, played power forward on that team as like a 6'4"-ish guard, um, but he's just so long and quick and can jump that he protected the rim for that team. And they were a good team. That was a good Texas Tech team that he played against or played with. And I just believe in – I said it, I think, when we were talking to Elon – I just believe in him coming in right now, as young as he is, to be a role player and to be a, a smart, confident, athletic role player and earn minutes. And as he's doing that, to work with the Sixers development staff and continue to work on his jump shot and continue to like weaponize his first step and become a – starting to create for himself – He's just really good, man. He's really, really good. And it's, 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 I occasionally I'll take a step back and over the course of like making my board and trying to figure out who I want them to take. And you start to think, like, well, why did he slip through the cracks, right? And why, how did he get missed? There's just not that many guys that, that get missed these days on the like high school recruiting sites. And so is it like, is this kind of fool's gold? But you watch him play and you're just like, oh, he knows what he's doing. And then you see the, the workouts and it's like, oh, he's unbelievable. So I just buy it, and and the Sixers brought him in twice, and he played hard both times. He one time one time was with other guys, and he just sort of dominated and on defense and and got a couple looks for himself. And the other time I think was just by himself, right? Do you know? Uh, yeah, it was him and Knox that came in first for individual right. workouts a second right. time. Yeah. Right. And uh, and Brett talked about how much the shots improved, and the sh- the shot is like was always solid. The form on the shot, oh, it's a little bit robotic. It's not like a quick, clean release. He's not a natural shooter, but to be this young, and I mean, he shot 45% in college. Unlimited attempts, for sure, but he shot 45% from three in college and 72% from the line on, on, a, lot, on a lot more uh, attempts. So I believe in the shot being at least, it's not, it's not like it's totally broken. It's not like it needs a total overhaul. He just needs the reps and he just needs to keep, keep getting better at it. But for a guy to come in as a as a raw, unheralded recruit, and get sixty six assists and only forty one turnovers as a freshman on a team that was contending, I think they were a three seed in the tournament. He's really good, and I think I think he could get my my the the basic point of this whole thing was you saying Mikhail's <laughs> going to be better next year is is probably true, and I and I I probably believe it, and I would have believed it before the draft, but. He might be a guy that's just so talented that I, there could be some Donovan Mitchell. All of a sudden, it just clicks. And I don't think it's going to happen right away. I, don't, I think he still needs a couple more years. But I think right away, role player, earning minutes, flying out in transition, hopefully hitting some open threes, but not creating, not really doing a ton of dribbling, um, and playing like fierce defense. And then over time, developing into maybe an, an actual offensive option. Yeah, I, I think people who haven't 
you know, I joke about the YouTube stuff, but I think there are things that you can see when you're watching him, and he like he definitely stands out as a like a super athlete when you're watching him on video. Like he is a a standout amongst standouts. I mean, it's it's crazy to watch. The I would say the only thing that I mean, aside from his lack of of current uh, <laughs> basketball skills, the only thing that um, that the, doesn't give me pause, but makes me wish it wasn't true. Is that he's definitely six four, six five, and like, you know, in a league where I sort of want more guys that are six seven, you know. But sure. uh, the Sixers are deficient in both of those things. They're yep. deficient in wings and in guards. So six, six ten def- wings, wingspan though. Yeah, but but still, you know, uh, I don't know. He's still six four. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, so, but, but that said, I like, he's an athletic six, four and he seems very willing on defense and a crazy athlete. And they got that other pick, like, you know, that other pick is, is huge. So if it, if, even if he isn't as good next year, they certainly got the more, you know, I, I think a little, and you were making this point earlier, I think a little too much is, was being made of that Bridges was older and didn't have any upside left. Yeah. I think that's crazy for a guy that has gotten better each time and still just 22. Mm-hmm. You know, like guys aren't in their prime until they're 27 or 28. So that even if he just – look at Robert Covington, honestly. Robert Covington is 27 and has gotten progressively better over the last five years. So I, um, I, do, I do think that there is something to um, – generally in the broad sense of it not not there's obviously different individual cases but if you look at a guy and say hey he's had three years to develop a guy like troy brown is 18 and look at where he is now you can imagine how much better he can get when he gets into an nba player development so i I still believe that but i don't think it's across the board the case i just look at mikhail bridges and think and think like man he works really hard and, and for him to become like a dead eye off the catch shooter when he was not that at all coming into college i just wonder how much how much room there is to still add to that yeah i you, th- this may sound basic but here's the, the math that you're doing on every pick you are saying how good can he possibly be if he gets to his best which is right. a, a guess but there's that number then there's the how good is he now as a percentage of that which is less of a guess but st- still a number you know how good is he now and then how likely is it that he ever gets to that peak now the unfortunate thing is that two out of three of those things are not guesses but like you know whether he'll ever get there and what that peak even is are are two things that you really have you you can put your best guess in and watch a lot of tape and talk to the kid and hope but it's really um that that's why the draft is so hard because those things are so hard to tell you know yeah um and there's so many different factors that um that that allow those things to either become you know either you become Kawhi Leonard or or uh you know or you don't so, yeah, and uh, I, I just I just want to add the yeah like in terms of the Sixers GM stuff. Obviously, it's very funny that they didn't have a GM for this whole process. But our biggest concern with Brett, and I think everybody's was, was when you have a coach as your GM, you worry that they're thinking win now, and they're only mm-hmm. going to make decisions that that reflect the team now because they want to coach a good team. They want veterans, rightfully so. 
Uh, why wouldn't you if, as an NBA coach? But that's not that shouldn't be your job. But for Brett to be like, I'm making the final call. I we like the Zaire kid. We think his jumpers further and lo- further along than other people think. But realistically, he still has a ways to go. Mikhail is more of a finished product. But to say we're gonna we're gonna go back six picks, I think it was, and acquire a 2021 pick. Now there, he's saying he's gonna use that for a for a trade for a star, which is great. Um, but still. That that is forward long term thinking that you don't or at least I didn't expect this current regime slash non regime to accomplish and I'm just I'm happy about it. I'm ha- I'm proud of everybody involved in the decision making to to get to this point. And um yeah, I feel I feel great. I'm I feel I wanna do I I wanna do a third round of the draft. I wanna do <laughs> I a six hour podcast. You. We, could, we you could you could go to sleep during this podcast. I could keep talking. You could wake up and finish the podcast with me. You still be going. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. I, I I want to agree with you on the uh, on the GM thing. My my best guess is that right now Eversley is doing the like the normal GMing thing. I I think he's making calls and and those sorts of things. And I think Brett has final say on everything and is is very involved. Not final say, the owner has to have final say, but you know what I mean. He has to he has to sign off on everything. And I agree with you. I, I thought that the moves today were either take a guy that helps you right now or trade that pick for a guy that helps you right now, like a a a player already in the league. Right. And the fact that it was things that are now look, the twenty twenty one thing can twenty twenty one pick can help them this offseason. And honestly, even even Zaire Smith could help them this offseason in terms of a trade. We don't have sure. any idea. But uh to take two things that theoretically might not even help them this year, uh, is commendable and we'll get into the other picks because i know you'll probably have a it seems like most people have a, a problem with the uh the uh the the 26 pick um with picking him there but 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 by and large i thought they did a nice job of maneuvering tonight and making sound decisions um and uh, not panicky not just next year decisions and and that's all we could have asked right now. I still want them to have a general manager, but uh, they they did a lot to show us that they are capable of getting through what they needed to get through right now. Yeah. Um, why don't we, because we have to get to the, because we'll, we'll get through the, why don't we do the five-star review, call <laughs> AU, because we're talking about the trade right now, and then we can get into the other picks. Do you want to do make, that? Going to make me sit through a five-star review on draft night. Yeah. Well, if if I'm going to stay up till 1230 on a weeknight, then I'm going to. All right. Your Willie Green five-star Apple podcast review of the night. We are at 1,659 five-star ratings on the way to 2,000. When we get to 2,000, I read all the reviews on a podcast. This one comes from Z. Obi. Come for the parsing of Colangelo's burner accounts, relationship advice, YouTube scouting, and Hollis' 40% Thompson love affair. Stay because it's literally a cult and, you're, and you can never leave. Um, and the subject line is the forced march to 2000. And That's that right. is five stars. Um, Speaking of 2021, obviously, if they, don't, yep. if they trade it this summer, then it's different. But 2021 lottery party. Yes. Every, everybody's talking about it. 
Yep. Well, we're now set for 2019 and 2021. We just need some assurances about 2020. We'll work on and it. And then, uh, then we'll be good. Um, but just, just, just broad. Oh, you're getting Andrew on now? Yeah. Go, yeah, but go ahead. Uh, no, let's talk about Mikhail. I liked him. Okay. I really liked him. I was really happy. I was really worried they were going to take MPJ, um, who I don't think is good, and I've said that on a number of occasions. Um, but Mikhail is, and I think he's going to be really helpful in Phoenix. I think he would have been great here. Obviously, it's cool that his mom worked here. I hope the family's okay. I'm sure it was a little bit of a shock at first, but and now they're getting excited about it. But um, yeah, I, it didn't seem to me. I, like I watched the, the video with him. He seems fine. Okay, good. <laughs> like, yeah, he's it didn't fine. seem to me like the Sixers intended on this. It wasn't like no. when no, they were so. when when they thought. When there was rumors of where was it? It was MCW when they picked Alfred Payton and MCW was on camera. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, it was the greatest. Right. Yeah. It didn't that seem like it was mean. that situation. It yeah. seemed like they were literally they were really confident that they were going to go in with Mikhail at least at least as of Brett's announcement. Um, and he said, "Yeah, we just the, the offer came in, and it was like, well, he's our second guy, so if we can get that for an unprotected first. That's huge, and I get I get why uh, Phoenix did it also because they have a ton of assets, and why not just get the guy you want? But man, that's a good pick. That's a good trade. Let's call Underbrugger. All right. Um, let's see. Let's see if this works. We have a sponsor for Underbrugger too. We'll talk about it when we get on. Our very own Andrew Underbrugger is brought to you by Kinetic skate shop that's right brand new sponsor that is sponsoring all of andrew underberger's writing in uh if not pick will convey as two second rounders the uh just a little background on kinetic uh owned by this dude ben who is a long time ricky listener um big process guy you probably have seen his twitter uh it's at kinetic skate here's the cool thing though because I don't skateboard because I'm too old for it. But they don't they, they do sell skateboards, all that kind of stuff, but not just skateboards. They sell um, cool clothes, ton of different sneakers, including like hard to find vans and Nikes and Adidas and Chucks. I, I wear mostly vans and Converse All Stars. Locally owned, good people, and get nine point one percent off your first order with promo code Dave Silver, all one word at kineticskate.com. Hey, you. What's happening? So you were at the draft. I was. You I, were there. You I were was there. You were a, uh, a correspondent of the rights to Ricky Sanchez tonight. Yeah, I like that. Let's, let's go with that. Uh, yeah, no, How was that, it? it? It was fun. Uh, so, yeah, I, I've, I've gone to the draft, I think, every year of like the last six or seven, uh, except for last year. I had a friend's wedding. I had to miss that one. But, uh, yeah, th- this was a fun one. Like, it, it seemed like it was going to be a, a very satisfying draft for the Sixers. And in the end, it was, but in, in a much different way than I think we all thought it was going to be. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, no, it, it, was, it was a really interesting, interesting moment in process history, I think. What was the vibe of uh, whether the picks were being broken by Woj and those guys? Mark Stein had it early, and then Woj seemed to say, fuck this. Yeah, uh, what was that like? I, I wasn't really like I don't know. I, I wasn't doing much like boots on the ground stuff with the other actual reporters there. Uh, I, I was mostly splitting my time between the like just just sort of hanging out in the audience and uh, being backstage with the the draft picks as they're being interviewed for the first time. So I, I I didn't really get a sense of like oh like, like there wasn't like a, a bunch of a bunch of other basketball writers talking about like how crazy is this. I, I was just following the chatter that was on Twitter, uh, but. 
you know, I, I mostly just like to kind of get a sense of what those like the Sixers fan presence is uh, year to year at these drafts. Uh, and this year it was really, it, it was pretty basic. Like, it, you know, it, it, it didn't feel like a cult thing anymore. It was mostly just Sixers fans, like, like younger Sixers fans than I, than I've been accustomed to. It was mostly like kids, you know, teenagers, uh, and they were all wearing Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons jerseys. I, I think Ben Simmons might have had like the most jerseys of anybody there, like of any team on the night. And you know, occasional Iversons, occasional Dr. Js, but no like no Dario's, no TJ McConnells, no Covingtons. It, it, it felt like we were just another team that happened to be close by, and, and that that was sort of a strange thing. It, it kind of felt like you know the, the process going mainstream for the first time. But it's also because they they only had the tenth pick. Sure, I think if there was a top top three or four, then it would have been different. But I, I feel like only having the tenth pick would have like really appealed to the the nerdier Sixers fans a couple of years ago. Uh, sure, sure, sure. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, I guess we're past that point in the time, or at least it seemed like we were. But but that's what made tonight's craziness so remarkable. I think. So where can you explain the moment of? Okay, so one of the reasons people have, have asked us a lot of times, because we do the lottery party, will you do a draft party too? And my response is always no, because it's really, there's so much stuff going on that you really just need to be staring at the TV and your phone sure. to really know what's going on. So I would imagine when you're there and a trade happens, like like if you're, if you're busy listening to the guy talk, you might not even know what happened. So can you tell us, where you were, like, sort of what happened when the Sixers trade, uh, when the the Bridges-Smith trade went down? Yeah, so uh, so I, I went out to the, kind of the, the, the main concourse to, to to watch the actual draft pick happen, and uh, they, they called Bridges, and then I, I went back to the, uh, the kind of the backstage area where they hold the press conferences because I wanted to see him talk for the first time. Uh, and while I was there, I, I ran to uh, somebody that I actually work with at Billboard. Uh, shout out to Michael Sapinara. Uh, and we were just kind of talking about you know the various picks and what what we were both there for, uh, and we we both hung around to to watch Mikhail Bridges get interviewed for the first time, and as you know it's it's a little bit more than halfway through the interview, all of a sudden Michael holds his phone up to me and I read the tweet that says you know Adrian Wojnarowski says uh, Bridges going to Phoenix for Zaire Smith in the first rounder, and it, it's stunning. I mean, like like. He, the Bridges interview, it wasn't that revelatory. It wasn't really that interesting. He didn't say anything that out of the ordinary or, or, or like specifically compelling. But he just seemed like a really – like I was, I was kind of falling in love with him over the course of the interview. Like he was very smooth. He was very composed. And he, and he seemed so happy. And, yeah. and like it, it was like – I felt like we were like really, really deep into the honeymoon phase already with this guy. And then – that happened like while he's still talking while he was, I think he was making that point about like how, how proud his mother was and she was crying and all of a sudden like the, the floor just falls out from under everybody and, and I, I couldn't believe it and like there was kind of like a, a like, like a murmur that kind of reverberated throughout the room of other people checking their phones and seeing what had happened and it, it was kind of like the, this this hushed moment of like is somebody gonna say something to this guy like because like, like, there was still a couple you know there's still time left for a couple questions Someone could have said, like, oh, you just got traded to Phoenix. How do you feel about that? <laughs> sure, but that's a t- tough question to ask. Hey, buddy, yeah. just want to let you know your whole life is changing <laughs> now. And I'm, I'm calling in from Bleacher Report. Yeah, it, it would have been a moment, but I, I was kind of hoping it wouldn't happen because it would have just been heartbreaking. Uh, and as, sure. as the guy, you know, so obviously no one had the, had the balls to do it. And as um, McCall was, was leaving the stage, uh, 
Michael, the, the, the guy, my, my, my co-writer there was, uh, like, he kind of, like, covered his mouth. He was like, and actually, you're going to Phoenix. You just got traded. Uh, <laughs> but uh, by that point, he'd already left the stage, so I don't think he heard it. But it, 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 it was a really one-of-a-kind sort of moment to, to have to sort of process that while the, the, this guy is still, you know, living his dream out for 30 seconds and then no longer. It was pretty crazy. Um, you know, you mentioned the fans. They, the one thing that tonight reminded me of as we were sitting there was um and mike tweeted about the okafer draft and Mm -hmm. how awful that night was but that was the night that the nerdy sixers fans did take over in the second round and i will never forget because they were on tv after the sixers took willie hernan gomez (laughs) these two sixers fans were shaking hands with each other (laughs) congratulating each other i do remember that that was an iconic moment for sure (laughs) Uh, but yeah, and that, the that's greatest. the thing is that there was none of that really tonight. Like I, I found one fan who had like a Sam Hinkie sign. I took a picture of him, but but like he was definitely in the minority. There there wasn't that that sort of obsessive Sixers faction. And, and like I think that's why I was able to sort of like I came around to the to the, the Zaire Smith trade pretty quickly because like it it just felt like we were home again. Like it, it, I, I was getting uncomfortable with how legit we were getting over the course of the draft and, and like. To, to have a move like that, it really kind of recentered uh, like the draft night into the Sixers realm in, in a way that like we definitely weren't up until that point. And so, it, it, although it was like extremely jarring at first, eventually it was it was, it was really comforting. I think at the end. Yeah, um, I feel great. Before we let you go, I wanted to uh, give you credit for the two things you wrote uh, for the website so far this week. It's been a a good week for Underberger content. Uh, two days ago, you wrote the uh, the thing about um, about faults and what they think of him and his effect on the draft. But the the one I liked even better, especially because you went to Cornblow for his input on it, who went uh, above and beyond. By the way, fantastic uh, effort. He did. Yeah. Well, that's what he does. That's what he. That's his bit. Is that he goes above and beyond. For sure. But. Uh, Underberger is going to start doing these things called relitigating the process, which is right very, up our alley. Very on brand for us. Very on brand. And he took, uh, it was a great chance to go back and look at the, like, really the first move of of the Hinky era and of the process era, which was the Drew Holiday trade. So sort of relitigating the Drew Holiday trade um, five years later, now that he's good and, uh, you know, everything that's happened since then i thought you did a really good job on it was it what did it feel like going back and thinking about it because i haven't even really thought about that night until i read your thing well what was interesting wasn't i mean you know i I never go too too long without thinking about the drew holiday trade i guess because it it was (laughs) yeah it it was basically the start of it all i mean unless you want to go back to the to the the bynum trade or even the iverson trade like if you want to get super proto processed with it but like this was like the like like the Ramones self-titled of the process. Like it was like the first actual definitive work of of, of the Sam Hankey genre, uh, and and I was actually thinking about it like a ton tonight. Like cause it really seemed to me like this was Brett Brown's kind of love letter to the Drew Holiday trade. Like I I tweeted this, but like this trade was a much better tribute to the Drew Holiday trade than anything I could have written. Like it, it, it was a combination tribute to to the Drew Holiday trade, and it had that same kind of like. Like like oh my oh my god how is this actually happening and like the details were kind of fuzzy at first and oh but oh it keeps getting better the like the further you go with it it was like a, like a combination of that and the and the Dario Sars trade of a, of a year later which is still connected to the Drew Holiday trade 
uh, because of like the, the moving back and kind of the gamesmanship. Uh, and, and so, like overall, this was sort of like this. This, this felt like you know the the, the, the grand uh, thesis, I guess, the, of Brett Brown's having studied at the at the feet of Sam Hankey for all these years. Maybe he didn't even realize he was doing it until he finally had to take the reins uh, as as front office guy. But uh, he's learned well, and this this is this is as good a tribute to him as I think anyone could ask for. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for the uh, thanks for the coverage live from the scene. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, for the stuff journalism and shit. for the stuff he wrote. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Thank, go thanks, to buddy. bed. I'll talk yeah. to you. Thanks, Dave. Talk you. soon. Bye. I would also. This is a uh, from what Matt said. Matt Carey said is that like. It's unexpected that we went from the Sixers don't have a GM to this actually being the most active draft that we've had since, like, Sam. Two years of Brian pretty much standing pat. Uh, the Fultz trade was, like, before, obviously, the draft. So, Brett getting in there, making some moves, action, trading for future picks. Nothing was traded for cash. That's great. I'm in. Yeah, the... Uh- I was I was I was worried about your psyche in the uh, second round as it you know as we were you know we knew going into it that they weren't going to keep like a lot of the second rounders or if they, mm-hmm. even if they kept them they would be stashes or so on and so forth and I was worried for, about your psyche if they had um, sold them but they didn't sell them they traded them for more second rounders which is yeah. if there's if there's anything we like it's taking one second rounder and turning it into two easily uh, is even every better. time yeah. And so I guess, yeah. I mean, I was surprised that they didn't take any stashed guys, but everybody's been talking about how this wasn't a good draft for international players. So um, I liked moving up from 60 and 56 to get 54 and take the guy that you wanted in Shake Milton. That was great. Um, yeah, I mean, look, is the. I would say that the Sixers phil- philosophically didn't super care that much about this draft. I think it just w- didn't really factor into their plans a ton. Uh, considering free agency that's about to come and how they didn't have a GM and all this stuff, it, it just it wasn't it wasn't looking like this was going to be a draft where there's a lot of movement and action and uh, swinging for the fences or taking any swings whatsoever because they're just like let's just get the guys we needed, let's get a couple guys, couple solid guys, and then go into free agency with that. But mostly takes stashed guys. But for them to go into it in this situation get a 2021 pick which is the year that high school players will probably be allowed back into the draft so it should be actually a pretty stacked draft in 2021 who knows how good miami will be um the ridiculously high upside guy in zaire smith uh a really great shooter in uh landry shaman who we'll talk about who uh is really one of the best shooters in the draft and shake milton who fell a lot and uh, and is a really high IQ player, and we'll talk about him also. Like I'm, I'm just really pleased with the night. Could I be happier? Are there guys that I liked more than those specific guys? Sure, um, but I don't have all the information that they do in terms of injuries, in terms of like who they are as people, in terms of whatever. And uh, and so I generally like broadly what 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 could have gone right and could have gone wrong. I feel at the very least incredibly good that they got a 2021 pick out of it. And they're not going overboard in in the like win win nowness of it all. You know what yeah. I mean? Yep. Um, before we talk about the other guys, because I want to ask you about them. The uh, so there was a supposed to be, or I, I think awful announcing reported it that ESPN had had agreed with the NBA not to 
um, not to ruin the picks on Twitter, not to tweet them out before they happened. And like two and a half hours before the draft even started, Woj tweeted out the top six picks, which was <laughs> like the biggest, like I, I, he seems like a hard headed kind of guy. And I can only imagine the sort of conversation when they were like, Hey, I know Shams is going to be tweeting out the picks, but you can't. And he just, so it was clear to me uh, that he and ESPN decided, well, if you just say, like, there's nothing we can do about it if you just say they're they're honing in on this guy or they're mm-hmm. focusing on this guy. <laughs> he, I, I'm, I'm caught in a, I don't know how you feel about it. I'm caught in this thing where I like watching the draft with Twitter because I like interacting with people and seeing people's reactions. But I don't like knowing the picks before they happen. So the people that say, well, then just stay off of Twitter, I don't want to stay off of Twitter. Like, I... I for all of the other things that are good, I want to do it. I just I don't know what is gained by from anyone by tweeting the picks out early. I just I don't get it. How do you yeah. feel about it? Uh I mean I've been I've been doing it for so long, right? It's been like 8 years of people breaking the picks first that I'm not I don't even like yearn for a time when right the picks were broken. I'm just sort of like, it is what it is. I see the tweet and it's like, here we go. We're live. Um, obviously if there was a possibility to break things live on TV and say, this pick is immediately this pick, but like there's basketball rules about it. And the NBA said, you can't trade picks until this or then, you know, after 2 PM or whatever. I I think it's just fine. I, I don't know. I don't know why, well, like, it, I don't know why teams or whoever, whoever leaks to, the reporters to say yes, this is who we're taking. I don't know why they do that. I don't know what what the benefit is to like tell, hey, I'm an assistant GM of the Bucks. I'm gonna text Mark Stein and tell him who we're taking. Like, just why not wait? I don't know. I don't understand what the what? benefit is anyway. And I hate like I I understand and agree with your point that we're probably past the point of no return. But I hate just resigning myself to this is the way it is now. And I liken it to. And I, I promise I won't do my old man long rant on movies. Yeah, I, but, but also, I don't want you to go too far because I know I have you for a limited time and I want to talk more about the guys. Oh, no, no, we will. I, just give me 60 seconds. You got it. I, it's like, um, what's it called? It's like when I go to the movies and people are, are texting. And we can all agree that talking on the phone is wrong. But I also agree that like texting, like to me, texting, it's distracting. I hate it in the movie. And there are people that tell me, well, that's that's just how people are now. And I'm just like, no, fuck that. That we, we don't have to accept that as a society. We we don't. So I don't think we have to just say that we blow the picks now. Just because that's we can we can turn back the clock on that. Um all right, why don't you give me so wait, now I forget this guy's name that we got at twenty six already. Landry Shamet. Le- right. So Good shooter, seems like. Yeah, great um, But everyone, like Mike O'Connor said, wouldn't have taken him before 40. Yeah. Uh, Godner said that he didn't even have a first-round grade on him. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of him, and then what do you think of them taking him there? Yeah, I probably would have had him. I only released my top 30 uh, big board. He probably would have been in the like, 37, 38 range. Um, so I don't hate him by any means. Uh, 
I, I meant I rooted against him a lot in college because I don't like Wichita State. Um, and so he was a frustrating player to root against because he seemed to just hit shots. Uh, and he is. He's one of the best uh, catch-and-shoot players in the draft. He actually was the best catch-and-shoot player in the draft. Um, he had an uh, effective field goal percentage of 80.5% from the on catch-and-shoot jumpers uh, per uh, the Stepians' Mike Gribanov. And um, Shake Milton was was fourth on that list and at uh, 73%, and Michael Bridges was fifth. So the, the Sixers clearly targeted uh, catch-and-shoot guys in the in this draft. Um, but yeah, Shamit is a guy that will shoot. He can come off screens. He can shoot a little bit off the dribble. Um, he's got a decent first step. Uh, but I think I think in terms of if he stays, now we can talk about that in a bit because I'm not sure that that he's gonna. I make it not not make it in the NBA not make it um not like make the team but I think in 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 terms of uh, what a package would look like to trade for somebody like Kawhi or somebody I think that uh Landry would just be a part of it sort of because I, I do sort of feel like they want to keep JJ and and Landry could be groomed as the next JJ if if no if no deals happen um but yeah he's he's got a little bit of creation in him he had a he played mostly point guard at Wichita State when uh, once Van Vliet was gone, um, and uh, he played on those like Ron Baker teams also, and um, yeah his his assist rate, assist rate went up each year. Um, just a really good shooter, smart player. The the knock on him is that he doesn't have a great body for defense. He's long-ish. He's got like a six-seven wingspan, which is not bad for a point guard. Um, he'd be a secondary ball handler here. Uh, would fit really nicely in with Simmons on on offense for sure. Because um, he can, he can dribble a little bit, he can get to the rim, but not a not an athlete by any means. Um, but yeah, the knock on him is defense. I I just don't think that he's ever going to defend at an NBA level. He tries hard and to play for Greg Marshall, the coach of Wichita State. You kind of have to work hard, but um, he just doesn't have the body where he's going to ever be. He's going to get exposed on switches. Um, just not. He's not quick enough laterally to hang with guys. I would compare him to a guy um, on. Uh, oh, fuck. oh, Bryn Forbes on San Antonio. He played at Michigan State. You know what I'm talking about, Bryn Forbes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, he's probably a little bit bigger and probably not as not as quick as Bryn Forbes. But uh, but yeah, he's a smart player. I just really didn't. I was when I was making my board. I was like, I don't want guys that I don't, unless they're elite offensive players like a Trey Young. I wanted guys that could defend at least at a reasonable level, and I sort of just don't see it happening with Landry. But uh, a lot of people compared him to Corkmuz like immediately after drafting him, and I would say he's a much better creator than Corkmuz is, better dribbler, uh, better passer, but not the athlete. Uh, definitely not as as um, bouncy vertically. Um, but yeah, I, 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 look, need shooters for sure. And especially if you were pissed at the Zaire Smith selection, Landry is a confident, steady guy who can come off screens and hit shots and he'll be pretty good in summer league for sure. And, uh, he's not too old. He's, he played three years at Wichita state. He sat for some of a season because he broke his foot. Um, oh, so great. He's, he's had Perfect. some foot problems. Not not this past, not recently, but uh, um, by all intents, good kid. 
had had some Sixers tweets from a couple years ago, which is yeah. always which is good always strong. Ones. Yeah, good Sixers tweets. Good Sixers yeah. tweets. Um, um, but yeah, he's gonna give effort. But I, I not incredibly gifted, but he will shoot. So if he gets hot, then he's hot. Well, I mean, a good thing for me is both him and Zaire Smith, to varying degrees, look like John Starks. Well, so, I was gonna, I was gonna uh, say I agree with you on Zaire Smith looking like John Starks. My buddy Shane texted me. Uh, I've seen Landry a, a bunch of times, and I've seen you a bunch of times. But seeing you guys together in a similar picture looks a little bit like you, buddy. Oh no, he looks a little <laughs> bit like you, like Spike Askin. You see, I sort of thought him. I th- I thought of him as a Matt Barnes. Uh, he looked more like Matt Barnes, and I don't think I look like Matt Barnes. But I'll have to go look at it. Maybe, Maybe it's one of his different side of the face well, or something. Well, there's also there's the pictures from him from like two years ago with shaved head and no facial hair, and then there's current bad mustache, um, which is really the the John Stark similarity, which is the the bad facial hair. So I'll have to go and look at it. I, te- um, I just I just texted you the picture of him. Okay. And now here's a picture. Right. Now here's a picture of you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. A picture of me. Yeah. All right. Well, here while, while they arrive, let's talk about our sponsor. Big Barker dog beds. Wow. So, Mike, uh, truth be told, I am on vacation right now, and we we had to take a a long drive, and we brought the dog, and half of my trunk space was taken up by Rebel's Big Barker because we wouldn't even think about having him, the friggin' dog, sleep somewhere without his nice therapeutic dog bed. No, how could Um, you? But uh, yeah, we couldn't. We couldn't because uh, dogs are important to us. They're members of the family. Rebel's a member of mine. He sleeps on a big barker. Donovan's a member of yours. Uh, Donovan sleeps on a big barker. Here's here's the difference between sleeping on a big barker bed for your dog and sleeping on one of those cheap ones from the pet store is that the big barker one is really a bed. If you're sleeping on the cheap one from the pet store, you're basically laying on the floor. And if you don't believe me, go lay on it. Go go lay on it and make pretend that you're laying on that thing every night. Kick your you dog off. Why? Lay on, kick your dog off. Lay on his bed, and then see if you want a big barker. Yes, and the answer is going to be, of course, go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky, and you can see, or go to uh, writesrickysanchez.com slash processpups and see the difference. When when these dogs lay on this bed, they're not, like, touching the floor. The foam isn't shrinking, you know? And this is important because as dogs get older, especially big ones, over 50 pounds, they develop arthritis, and sleeping on those shitty beds is bad for them. Um, if you go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky, not only can you get the Big Barker, but you get it with a tastefully embroidered rights to Ricky Sanchez logo. Then you send us a picture of your dog on the bed. We put them on the website with the rest of the process pups. A good, proper mattress like Big Barker enhanced it, uh, promotes enhanced energy and mobility levels in older dogs, reduces wear and tear on younger dogs. Dogs get arthritis as they get older, up to 80% of them. Dogs over 50 pounds develop arthritis as they age. This eases those symptoms as they get older. Uh, 10-year warranty. Foam won't flatten or they'll replace it for free. One-year home trial. Try it for a year. If you don't like it, send it back. They'll even pay for the shipping. Handmade in the USA and owned and run by a process truster. That is Eric. Uh, Big Barker Dog Beds. Nice. That's a good one. That's a yeah, different one. I went for it. 
so what do you want to talk about the, now? Uh, what, can, what can I educate you on? So, well, here's one thing that, ha- oh yeah. Okay. I say it. That's <laughs> disappointing, but I say it. Um, okay. The, uh, we had a, uh, a Jawan Evans part two tonight as the Sixers pulled the mm. draft, um, draft Cree Thomas Kyrie and then Thomas, yeah. send him to the Pistons. That seemed uh, disappointing to you and disappointing to everybody because it, that guy can definitely play. Yeah, he's good. He's really good. Uh, and he's sort of a hybrid of, I mean, kind of, uh, kind of, kind of a hybrid of Zaire and, uh, and Shamit in the sense that he's going to, he's going to be able to hit shots and he's also an incredibly good defender. Now he's also not nearly as athletic as, as Zaire. So there's not really much upside there, but he's a really smart player. Kyrie Thomas played at Creighton. We don't talk about it that much, but I was, I was excited at the idea of Kyrie Thomas and Zaire being on the same team because really good, smart, long, pesky defenders. Um, but yeah, a couple couple seconds. I was just happy that they didn't trade him for for cash. Um, and I would say we should also say um, that in trading down from ten to sixteen, Sixers saved themselves a million dollars in cap room, which is not the same as a million dollars trading for a second round pick. The, the cap room matters because then it opens up uh, potential for signing guys to a max deal. And so there's still there's still well, yeah, some it, maneuvering they have to do with like what happens with Bayless or yep. do they stretch him, which stre- the stretch provision would mean that they uh, pay a third of his salary out over the next three years, um, so his salary would go down to like two point nine million each year kind of thing. But they'd probably rather trade him and not have to have any other money any of that money on the books for the rest of the couple years. And I think they need to get rid of all of his money to get to that number. Yeah, um, but it. It helps, you know. They they have to renounce guys. So, um, Shake Milton. Um, yeah, I I don't ever remember even looking at, like I don't remember even seeing his name. So uh, so tell me about him. Let's do it. All right. So he is a six six ish, six five, six six point guard. Uh, I say I would say combo guard. I would say. You can use like Delon Wright as a as a decent base for him, except Delon is much more athletic and not nearly the shooter. So uh, Shake played three seasons at SMU for Larry Brown, um, and shot in those seasons forty three percent, forty two percent, and forty three percent from three point range, all in about five attempts per game. So legitimate shooter, again one of the best catch and shoot guys uh, in the draft. And also uh, shot an average of 79% from the line those years. Um, he's not crazy athletic. Um, in fact, at the NBA Combine, he opted out of a lot of the testing because he, I think he knew he would test poorly. Um, but he's super long. He's got a 7-1 wingspan, which is really very good for a combo guard. Um, and he's a smart player. He's not that fast. Um, I think he dropped because of the Combine stuff. Um, in the five on five, he didn't score at all and sort of got embarrassed in those, and all the articles that were like, who, whose stock went up and whose went down and after the combine shake was on every single one of those because he, he was projected as a late first rounder. And then after this, he sort of just fell off a cliff. And so it might've been, maybe there's an injury, maybe he just wasn't confident, maybe whatever. Um, but he can play and he played good basketball at a decent school for, for a bunch of years in a row. Um, 
I believe him. I believe in him also. I, I, he's, I definitely had him higher than Shamit because I think he'll defend because he's long enough to, and he uh, has active, active hands on the uh, on the defensive end. Um, I don't think he's a. He's never going to be a uh, starting point guard in the NBA, and he's not going to. Um, you don't really want him running your offense at any point, but in terms of secondary ball handling and being able to just catch and shoot off of Embiid, that's or of Embiid and Simmons. That's kind of what you want. He can play with faults because he's long enough too, and he can shoot. And he's a smart passer. He just sort of feels like he'll find a way to figure it out from from watching an S- watching him at SMU. But um, people were really scared off by the by the combine stuff. So I don't know. I it's also. You know, with these three guys, Shake, Shamit, and Zaire, you got to figure how much, what sort of roster space do they have? Is it, I mean, you're looking at trying to move Bayless. Is Jonah Bolden coming over? Is uh, Pesechnik coming over? Hopefully not. Um, well, are they going to try to get it I'll back to you, center? Those kinds of things. You start jo- to- Jonah Bolton, Jonah Bolton certainly thinks and wants, thinks yeah. he's coming over and wants to come over. Now, yeah. whether. You know whether that's whether and, that's what the team wants or not. I don't know, but he definitely wants to be here. Sure, and I think he is too. I think um, if he wasn't, if if they didn't believe in him, then they probably would have taken Robert Williams at twenty six, which some people wanted them to do. Also, uh, there was people on the draft and online were saying there's question marks about Williams's character in terms of how much he wants to play, work hard, all that stuff. He Texas Texas A&M big man, very uh, just rim running big shot blocking sort of similar to Rashawn, but I think he profiles to be a better defender than Rashawn. Um, but yeah, they clearly think that Bolden's coming over. I, I, I imagine that they would get another backup center for Embiid in some, in some respect, unless, or at least have somebody that can challenge Rashawn for that other role. Um, cause they just re-upped or at least picked up Rashawn's option. Um, but I don't know. There's there's definitely a limited number of roster spots available. But I am glad that they got a couple guys. Zaire's going to make the team. But in in Shamit and Milton, that all right, we'll contend for a spot. And if and if there's there's two way spots open for Milton, and uh, and if they outperform Korkmaz or Luau or Justin Anderson, then kick them off the team. Get them on there. I. I what bummed me out last year was trading up for Pesechnik when I don't think that he's an NBA player. And uh, just just because you had second-round picks that you weren't going to use. And uh, and then saying, oh, it's because of a roster crunch because we have Stauskas and Okafor who they had to pay to get rid of. So I'm glad that they right. did. I'm pleasantly right. surprised that they didn't do that this year. Um, even if these aren't uh, exactly the guys I would have taken at this spot, there were a bunch of other guys that I liked at 26 um, over Shamit, but if they're like, yo, he's one of the best shooter in the, shooter in the draft, he was at that point, I think, the best shooter left um, in terms of like pure shooting, coming off screens and stuff. Um, and there's some guys that I did like a lot, like a Kyrie Thomas, like a D'Anthony Melton who went to Houston, who's going to be really incredibly successful there. Um, even uh, Javon Carter, if they wanted to go in that, that route, um, that it would have felt derivative with Zaire's skill type of in terms of defense first and questionable jump shot. You know what I mean? So I could see why they're like, all right, we got a guy who we think he's going to shoot, but why not just get a guy who we know can come around screens and just bang in shots. Now, I don't know if the rest of his game is going to develop, but in terms of trying to get as many 
different kinds of players to fit into the system and see what what clicks or what the team needs they they have they got versatile guard wing types which i think you do need in today's nba so i i feel good about the hall i really do in the 2021 pick and saving a million dollars and uh yeah i mean obviously zaire is the big hall but um and we could talk about him some more now that he's our guy but broadly i feel good about it i do uh, I'd like to give credit to the official YouTube big board team of the draft, and that is the Portland Trailblazers coming away with Anthony Simons and Gary Trent Jr. Um, they're definitely my, my other team this year uh, because they drafted Anthony Simons with the 24th pick. <laughs> that, that, was, that was my pet guy that I definitely wanted someone to take. Yeah. Um, I'm glad he went in the first round. Um, so, you know, I, there's so much, you know, one of the, the things that makes it tough, that made it tough for them to draft, just in terms of even getting guys, is there is still so much, like, forgetting about that there, are, there aren't that many roster spots right now, um, there's still so much for them to figure out, especially if they're going to make a big trade. Right. Um, now, if they're not, they're in an interesting place too because I, I personally don't think they can just go run it back with one-year deals. They, they got to think about how long they, they want to uh, give, J, whether they want to give J.J. Redick three years or not, which is what I think someone's going to end up giving him. Um, but it, it did handcuff them a lot. They, they had to make every move during this draft with one eye on this year one eye on a trade, and then one eye on some... Like, think about this. Even if they saw a guy in the second round that they liked and they don't think they're going to have a spot for him, it's really better to just get another... To, to punt it away and just take another pick at another time because you're not, you're not doing yourself... You're basically just wasting the pick. So I'm glad they didn't do that. Um, yeah, I, I feel good about the whole thing. I feel... I, I don't feel bad about it. I... They, uh, getting that pick is really, 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 really big going into this summer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, and I'm, I'm good with Zyra Smith. I'm good with them getting him. It didn't, it seemed like he was a guy that, that a lot of people had with as top 10 talent, um, that nobody would have been surprised if the Sixers took him at 10. So for them to get him, uh, I I disagree with that. I think people would have been surprised to take him at 10 and I'm glad they didn't. I would have been fine if they traded down right away and if they said to in that 12 to 16 range, but I think it would have been high for Zaire at 10 with all those other guys on the board. I do. Um, just just based on what people were saying. But maybe that's bullshit. Maybe just go get the guy. Um, but yeah, I, I just can't get over that. Like, if you believe the, the, the uniqueness of... Zaire as a prospect and as a player is is just very peculiar because he did play out of position at Texas Tech and he's long but he has ridiculous uh, hops and quickness and he's an intuitive defensive player but to be to be all those things and be albeit in a limited uh What's the expression? 
So a small sample size. There you go. Uh, solid shooting. Not taking a ton of shots that he's not comfortable with. Like he's, he was, he's not a gunner by any means. But he's, he has all the he has all the bases of if he just practices his handle a lot and works really hard, he has the athleticism and 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 instincts I think to become a legitimate option on the offensive end. I think it'll take him a long time to get there, but the form is solid. And if you're looking at him and saying, okay, right now he's some combination of a more athletic Justice Winslow, Avery Bradley type with a ridiculous first step and the potential to add something more, I think that's a really nice thing. It's The cool thing is it's not, it's not drafting a total project, right? Where you're like, oh, he's super athletic, like Archie Goodwin or something from a couple years ago or anybody – is there an example of it in this draft that somebody would be just like a total? I mean, well, Anthony Simons. The difference with the difference with Winslow though is that Winslow is six seven. Like Winslow is is he? Winslow, you can play at four and maybe even five sometimes, and that that's the the limiting thing I think. Now Avery Bradley is what like six two. Um, yeah, Avery Bradley is smaller than Zaire Smith. I just I, I just think as a guard, like he's definitely gonna have to be able to shoot. You know, like yeah. he's that that'll be a I somebody like Winslow can get away with not shooting on some levels because he can guard one through four or two through four. But mm-hmm. Zaire Smith can't. So he he's going to have to be able to shoot. Yes. If it's going to work. If he's yeah. going to be a very good player, he's going to have to shoot. I think he can be just filling lanes in transition and. He gets a ton of offensive rebounds because he's in, he's intuitive that way. He gets loose balls because he's he's smart about that, um, and he just he just gets the things. He just has a knack for getting to things. Uh, there's a lot of uh, Brian Schroeder who uh, used to write for a ton of sites, uh, hardwood proxism guy. He's been on a ton of things uh, at Cosmos on Twitter. Um, he's a big Zaire guy, and we've talked about him in the past and said he's uh, statistically similar. To has a lot of Otto Porter similarities and Jimmy Butler similarities, like statistically. Um, but it's just a, it's a weird package to come into. There's not a there's not a uh, like a prototype for a Zaire Smith kind of person. I think this is a lot of what what the sort of draft heads were evaluating him on. It's like, well, who can I compare him to? What kind of player is he going to become? It's weird. It's a weird like cutting offensive rebounding defense but like very uh carefully selected open looks on offense that's just a weird package to deliver but i the way i look at him is he's going to be a solid role player now because i trust i trust the shot in as it just stepping into an open look i think he's going to be a fine three-point shooter when he's wide open um can you do more than that? It'll take time, but you don't, you're not you're not asking him to do more than that right away. I think they know it's going to take time, but I think while you're waiting, he's going to defend. He's going to be great in the open court, and it seemed for a year or two like, man, the Sixers just need a guy that can rise up and throw down sick dunks. Now, Rashawn can do that, um, but isn't as uh, fast in the open court. And just to see, it's going to be crazy to see. Simmons run with Zaire 
and just throw the ball up and watch him go get it. And that'll add a level of just excitement, first of all, but also verticality to the team that they, it seems like, have been missing since KJ McDaniels in terms of a, a wing that can go up and do crazy stuff above the rim. It does seem like uh, I missed it. I, I I went and I looked. I have I didn't know that people were that mad about the the trade. Um, and then I went and I looked, and I have, and I'll tell you in a second. I have one thousand nine hundred seventy eight people muted, and I think I think that's. <laughs> that now a lot of them are Celtics fans. Sure, um, but I think that's why I miss out on stuff, which I'm I'm happy to miss out on. I had no idea that people were so mad, but there were a lot of people really, really mad. As if like it seemed like when I dove into it, it was very close to the Doug McDermott, Dario sort of mad. And as a guy who wanted bridges like i had him number two on on my board i wanted him i really wanted him the idea that he is going to be the difference for them between like being really good and not being really good or that what they did by drafting him and then trading him was some sort of like um back room slimy underhanded dealing which is a lot of what i'm seeing yeah i don't get very, that at- I don't get that at all. Like he's still an NBA I, player. He's still going. He's going to. Uh, he's not. Phoenix is fine. You're not sending him to some shittier town. It's sunny there. It's nice. Yeah. There's Colangelo gyms. I, I think it's it's really proof that nobody watches college basketball because they they did watch Bridges. So, so in their mind, he is a real guy, whereas everybody else is just the idea of a guy. Sure, but he's a real guy. I so. and I, I'm not, I'm so not a like from here type. I never I never, even as far back as like Jesse Biddle, who's a Phillies uh, minor league pitcher back in the day, who they took yep. from from as like a local kid. I just don't like the idea of taking the local kid because it always feels like pandering. But Mikhail was really good, and he's and. I over the past couple of days, it sort of feel like the tide has turned against him just because it was the obvious pick, and sort of he had time to poke holes in it. And you're like, oh, he can't dribble. The people that don't like Covington were out saying that he's as bad as Covington or whatever. Um, I think he really, really would have helped. I like the kid. I think he would have gotten better. I think he's going to have a great NBA career. Um, but to to be able to, they're they're very different prospects at at very different points in their career, but. If you, Mikhail was nowhere near the prospect that Zaire is at this age. Not even close. Not even close at all. And Zaire just turned in one of the best defensive seasons for a freshman getting drafted ever. And uh, out of position. So I think, I just believe that there's a lot of potential to hit. And I would have loved to see Mikhail coming, coming around screens and hitting tough shots because he can shoot over guys. I loved his release point. I, I believed in his defense a lot more than some other people did. Um, he's going to put on weight. He's going to be a good player. I, I really like I had him fourth on my board. I really liked him. Um, but to be able to move back only a couple spots, pick the guy that you had neck and neck with him, get a 2021 first-round pick that you'll be able to use in a potential superstar trade while saving yourself a million dollars in cap space that you don't have, don't have to shed, 
that matters. All that stuff matters. And that is the kind of working around the fringes stuff that Brian Colangelo kind of didn't do. Um, and that we were worried this non-regime regime wouldn't do. And maybe maybe it got hands with them on a silver platter. I don't want to give them a ton of credit for just Phoenix being like, yo, we'll just give you this 2021 pick. And then being like, well, sure. Um, but regardless, it turned out great. Shamit's going to shoot. We'll see if he can work hard enough to defend at a Redick-type level. Um, he looks like you. Shake is good and smart. And it's going to be a fun... It's certainly going to be a fun summer league. I think all three of these guys are going to play summer league. Jonah Bolden will play summer league. Cork Muzz will play summer league. So that to me is, you know, I'm going to Vegas in a couple weeks. I'm ready for that. Um, and we'll see what happens free agency-wise and trade-wise. But overall, you got to be feeling good about this draft, even if you're a little bummed that Mikael Bridges isn't going to stay home and play. Slimy, underhead, and moved by the Sixers. I think we can all agree. Um, sending the now millionaire uh, Mikel Bridges to a place where there's no winter. <laughs> sure, sure. be fucking terrible sure. for him. It's got to be a tough conversation for Brett to talk to his mom, though. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, he's a person, yeah. you know. But 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 still, they, they didn't they didn't cut him. Did you did you watch the Brett press conference? No, I was just watching the draft here. I didn't. I, I like. I read all the quotes. Sure. You know, we're star hunting. You know, it's so Great. good. Brett is so good at this stuff, and it's so funny well, because Sam Sam was too in a very different kind of way, but they're both really right. good at talking and and boiling things down in a simple but still passionate and inspiring way. And so yeah, star well, hunting that kind of thing. We're we're making champ this is how you win a championship this is these are the moves you have to make to to get what we need to get and we're going to build stars and develop stars i'm ready to go i'm ready to do it with the 1a 1b uh, yeah but i'll tell you when i saw the star hunting thing i cringed only because i know what happens when people say things nowadays and when you have any sort of take or you say a thing and anyone who didn't like this trade that fucking star hunting quote when they strike out <laughs> this summer is going to be we're never going to see the end of the star hunting quote. Oh, you but, think you think it's going to uh, be like Vince Young super team? Yeah, it could be. It it has the potential. That's all I'm saying. But I yeah, he he uh look, the quotes were great. I didn't I didn't see it live. I just read the quotes, but the quotes were great, you know. He's he's a he was he's always a good talker, but he had hit the point where instead the the problem was he was always explaining other people's shit. You know what I mean? Like he was explaining why Sam wouldn't talk or he was explaining why Colangelo wouldn't talk or right. why Joel wouldn't play. But I do feel good for him that at this point he has like this air of confidence. You know, it almost reminds me a little bit Doug Peterson year one and Doug Peterson year two. And now Doug Peterson, in terms of how he talks to the press, is like night and day. And I think like you get to a certain point where you feel comfortable and you're not worried for your job anymore and, and you can just sort of like lay it on the line. And Brett was always a good quote, but sort of became a prisoner of explaining other people's decisions. And, you know, like some of the quotes got very bready because he didn't have anything left to say. Yeah. And I think now that he's the one left standing 
and he gets to stamp yes or no, there's like a little bit of fucking like swagger to him. Yeah. And he's like, you know, he can he can be honest with a purpose instead of being honest uh, enough to cover up somebody else's bullshit. Yeah. So. Newbeck asked him in the press conference what, like who, you guys have been a little cagey about answering who's going to make the final call since there's no GM. Who was it? And he was basically like me. I looked at me and Josh yeah. looked at each other and we pulled the trigger and I was like, cool, man. All right. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Um, Wait, a couple I'm more things. Non- couple more things. Couple more oh. things. Small stuff, small stuff, small stuff. Okay. I just wanted to say a real genuine apology to at Killacal, a.k.a. LeBron oh, Iver, right. the yep. Mamba number five guy. Mo Bamba was looking like he was going to get drafted by the Mavericks at five. And sadly, they traded up for Luka Doncic. And so we don't get any Bamba number five. And I just wanted to really, <laughs> truly say I'm so sorry for that. He's a big, yeah, he's, a big great. he's a big Lou Bega fan. And that would have been great. And I just, you know, my genuine sadness for him. I agree with you. I wanted Bamba number five to happen as yeah. well, too. Um, yeah. And Bede's tweets about... Oh, DeAndre yeah. Ayton, what do you think? Is he is he getting close? Is he getting close to the line? At one point, is calling out a rookie before he even plays a game? Is that? I'm asking the question. Is that? Are we getting close to the line where there's pushback, or is it just like still honeymoon phase with him? Happy, he's healthy. Okay, all that stuff. So there, are two, there. Are two, you're what you're really doing is asking two questions. The first, will there be pushback? Absolutely. But for me personally, um. Sixers fan and B lover, host of Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast. I fucking love it. Yeah. Call out a guy who A had nothing to do with what people said about him and B hasn't even played a game in the league yet. And and B's like, No, no, no. Don't compare him to me. I play defense. Yeah. He's trash. I mean he's right. He didn't say know. he didn't say he's trash. He just says I play defense. I know. Which is correct. Right. Which is Yeah, and fact. But I think he's sort of like that is that is Aiton's welcome into the club because Embiid right. said it to Towns on Instagram. Right. You know, like screw it, yeah. I love it. Very I think fun. it's the greatest. What you? Did, what did you think? Uh, yeah, I like it too. I think I think it's okay. I think it's playful more than if it gets to be too mean. Yeah. then maybe it's tough. But I think it's playful. Um, what do you think of Adam Silver doing like a sum up of the season? Before the draft started, I know people do that sort of every time, but usually it's like a congratulations to the Golden State Warriors for winning a title. Really, the the model of excellence and team building and building organically through the draft, and we're so happy to be here. Number one pick. He seemed to be like really just talking a lot about like basketball is a sport with people, and they're playing, and you're watching, and you're there, and. Man, the Warriors, what if? It just seemed like he kept going, and everyone was kind of like, oh, well, yeah, good job. You know, with all that talking, he did seem to miss the 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 time when the GM that he surgically <laughs> inserted into the Sixers mm-hmm. was shamelessly run out of town by everybody because he gave away team secrets, uh, or his family did, on, on Twitter. I like I don't remember that part of the speech, so no, I didn't neither. know if Silver uh, did it. What, what but, if he did issue a real... public apology right at the draft, saying we're sorry for <laughs> for thrusting the Colangelos upon you, Philadelphia? 
are bad. I'd have, I'd have to take the T-shirt off a of sale. Sure. I guess at that point, at that point, that's and call true. him Adam. If if he apologizes for it, I will call him Adam. I'll call him Adam instead of Dave. Um, the other thing about him doing that is like, just know your audience, man. Like, there's a time and a place when you're standing in front of people to do certain things and not other things. And that's just, nobody wants to hear you talk about that shit then. Do a pre-produced package and give it to ESPN and have them run in the pre-show. But like when we've been waiting all this time for the fucking thing to start and you're up there yim-yamming about whatever the fuck you were talking about, it's the wrong time and wrong place. Do that during like Wizards-Raptors game two rather than at the draft where everyone's like, yeah, we were there. We all remember. Who's this for? What's the benefit? I don't understand it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, anyway, that's all I got. I'm glad they didn't take Michael Porter Jr. I'm glad they got a 2021 first-round pick, saved a million dollars in cap room, didn't draft random stashes for no reason, got a couple seconds in the future, some long guys who can hit off hit off 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 the catch, and I just... I'm so excited to watch Zaire develop over the next couple of years um, because there's there's something to him. I just think the way he plays and how athletic he is and how smart he is, there's he's going to figure it out. And I believe in Brett. I believe in the development staff. If if there's even a whiff of, of how Kawhi developed, then holy shit. Um, but I feel good. Well- and uh, I'm glad that, uh, once again, we have something that is in the future and an idea like a draft pick that we can say is awesome that will piss off all of the people who want things right now. That's like, right. This is really just, it's a godsend. Thank you. That's right. Do you have any, any did you listen to the John Gonzalez podcast with me? No, I don't. I've, I, who was I talking to today? Uh, Steve McDonald, the guy who bought Rebel a, um, a Sixers jersey. He was uh he was like he was asking me a question about the podcast and I was like Steve I've never listened to our podcast not even one the time. one you weren't a uh, part of no oh wow absolutely no come on man I I talk to you for two and a half hours every week I don't I thought need you, to hear thought you, you talk been, more would have been curious what me and John had to say here here's when I might listen to it because I am on vacation. Normally, when my pod, I haven't listened to any podcast this week. My podcast listening is when I walk my dog in the morning, and I haven't. He, there's nowhere to walk him around here, so um, so I haven't. I, I got two open open floors. I got to catch up on. Sure. I don't know. Maybe I'll listen. You're to gonna listen week. to fucking Sharp instead of me and John. That's insulting. It's on the list. Okay. It's on the list. It's hard to host. <laughs> it's harder to host than I uh, than I like. I'd rather just sit here and no. just make you not go to bed. Although John, by the end of it, was like, are we done yet? So I think you'd empathize right. with that. Me just yes. holding people hostage and making them I'm, continue I'm, to answer questions. I'm glad it's not just me. Yeah. I'm glad it's not just Look, me. Look, I like All to right. talk. Uh, final thing, uh, I go to Denver tomorrow uh, to premiere my show, Alive in Denver, at the Series Fest television festival. Uh, tickets to the Saturday premiere uh, June 23rd are sold out, but it's also playing June 24th, Sunday evening. Uh, tickets, seriesfest.com, live in Denver. Uh, I'm also giving a Q&A after. So if you have any questions about my process, 
you can come to Denver and ask them to me. What, how, how would they go about getting tickets to that? SeriousFest.com. SeriousFest.com. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, good. Uh, uh, safe travels. Good luck on your trip. Thank you. And um, I will talk to you like in a couple fucking days again. So are we doing this? Are we doing? Um, are we doing one this weekend? Yeah, we have to. Okay, so like Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, I'll I'll text you. We'll figure it out. Okay, I got to bring my All right. equipment then. <laughs> okay. Yeah, bring it. Bring it. Bring it. All right. All right. Are you done with TTP? Yeah. You know. Lick face. We are the murderous pair. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have powder to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Step into the spotlight. Bumpers and downers get done. I'm in a rush to be numb. Dropping a thousand ain't much. Come from the clouds on a missile to turn.